From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Owen Wolf is my technical producer. Ryan White is my YouTube live stream editor and producer. Please note, however, that there is no live stream tonight on the YouTube channel. They will return the second week of September. However, all of the shows end up on the YouTube channel within a few days, even when we don't live stream. And again, the YouTube channel is Strange Planet. Child sex trafficking expert Nick Bryant is standing by. He joins me in the first hour. Hour two, Chris Newby is the author of a brand new book on Lyme disease called Bitten, The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons. On July 8th, federal prosecutors charged financier Jeffrey Epstein with one count of sex trafficking of a minor and one count of conspiracy to commit sex trafficking. Now, per the indictment, over the course of many years, Epstein, the defendant, sexually exploited and abused dozens of minor girls at his homes in Manhattan, New York, Palm Beach, Florida, among other locations. The document also notes that in order to maintain and increase his supply of victims, Epstein also paid certain of his victims to recruit additional girls to be similarly abused. The prosecution alleges that he sexually assaulted girls as young as 14 years old. Epstein has been known to associate with politicians on both sides of the aisle, members of the British royal family, including Prince Andrew, and numerous celebrities and other people in the public eye. Nick Bryant has been researching and writing about child trafficking and trafficking networks for 18 years. He was the prime mover in uploading Jeffrey Epstein's black book to the Internet. You can find that at Gawker.com. Nick also uploaded a myriad of Epstein's passenger manifests to the Internet, also to be found at Gawker.com. And according to victims of Epstein, they were pandered to Epstein's powerful cronies. But the indictment against Epstein doesn't name the additional perps who molested the underage girls pandered by Epstein. So, unless additional individuals are indicted... The Department of Justice continues to be part and parcel of a cover-up. Nick Bryant is the author of The Franklin Scandal, which is the only book to tell the tale of, tale of interstate child trafficking network and, his, and its cover-up. The network elucidated by The Franklin Scandal bears eerie similarities to the Epstein trafficking network. Nick's writing has recurrently focused on the plight of disadvantaged children in the United States, and he's been published in numerous national journals, including the Journal of Professional Ethics, Journal of Applied Developmental Psychology, Journal of Social Distress and Homelessness, the Journal of Healthcare for the Poor and Undeserved, Underserved, my apologies, Underserved, and Journal of School Health. He is the co-author of America's Children, Triumph or Tragedy, Addressing the Medical and Developmental Problems of Lower Socioeconomic Children in America. He's also contributed a chapter on child trafficking to global perspectives on dissociative disorders, individual and societal oppression, a book addressing various facets of dissociative disorders that features chapters from an international group of psychiatrists and psychologists. Nick Bryant, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? 
Good. Glad to be with you, Richard. Just take a minute and explain, uh, tell us a little bit about the Franklin scandal that you covered and, and how, as you, as I mentioned, it, it bears an eerie similarity to the Epstein case. Uh, the Franklin scandal was a book that came out in 2009, and I had researched it since 2002, so I spent seven years researching and writing it. And what I uncovered with the Franklin scandal was an interstate trafficking network that flew kids from coast to coast. The epicenter of the network was in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, but there was uh, there, there were two pimps, uh, Lawrence King and Craig Spence. And Craig Spence had a house in Washington, D.C. that was wired for audiovisual blackmail. So they, a lot of the parties would go down at this house, and 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 the blackmail operation was was definitely in full swing. Now with Epstein, uh, as I mentioned earlier, he has not so far named the other perps, those that were uh, basically frequenting his his various locations, and also the uh, that were aboard the Lolita Express and that were on the uh, the island in the Caribbean. Um, from what you know of the case so far. Do you expect that he will name names as some part of a plea bargain? Um, that all depends upon if the Department of Justice wants to pursue this to its logical conclusion. In the Franklin scandal, uh, one of the pimps committed suicide, and the other pimp kept his mouth shut and did 10 years for embezzlement. And then he has lived a pretty uh, cushy life since he got out of prison. So it's difficult to know how this is going to play out. I'm inclined to think that the, cover- the government is probably going to cover this up or else they would have indicted additional perps. But there's a lot of journalists digging into it right now. I think um, our great hope to have this fully uncovered lies with journalists. Yes, there was some terrific uh, work done by the Miami Herald and also um, Mike Cernovich. Um, my question, though, is, and others, uh, obviously, and, and, and you've been on top of this as well, but my, my question would be, where was the mainstream media back in uh, the mid-2000s, 2008, when the stories about Epstein started to surface and everyone who was trying to get at the truth were basically shouted down and called conspiracy theorists by the mainstream media. Well, you're talking to one of those. <laughs> um, the media is a strange thing. Six corporations own 90% of the media that Americans imbibe. And those six titanic corporations could be broken up with antitrust suits. So... There generally seems to be a detente between the mainstream media and the government. However, there's a lot of journalists digging into this right now. Um, I think that some of them feel like they are unfettered. They know that there's a larger network out there, that, and it's starting to come out that Epstein was probably an intelligence agent and that there was blackmail going on. So... Now that that is starting to surface, it's opening people's minds. I um, 
it's kind of interesting. I, I was kind of ostracized from the mainstream media when I was pitching the Franklin scandal. And I was, and then I pitched the Epstein scandal, and I, I, I just couldn't, I, I just couldn't get into the mainstream media. Um, even though I live in New York City, and friends of mine are in the mainstream media, I remember pitching this. I remember pitching the Franklin scandal to a number of editors, and I looked into their eyes, and there was a, there was kind of a fear, and what was happening was cognitive dissonance. Child abuse is among, or if not the most horrific of crimes. And these editors had to make a call. You know, should I pursue this? This could be pretty ugly. It might even hurt my career. Or should I just say Nick Bryant is crazy and a conspiracy theorist? And every editor decided to say that Nick Bryant was uh, crazy and a conspiracy theorist. The only per, the only entity that published my work uh, on Epstein was Gawker, which is known to be kind of a a moral website. But they were the only ones that had the moral fortitude to uh, publish the Black Book and the Passenger Manifests. It's uh, it's and now there's open season has been declared on Epstein. So now you've got all kinds of journalists digging into them. It's it's it's. It's a pretty interesting phenomenon to me. Let's talk about the, uh, the the black book. First of all, how did you come into possession? And if you, I'm not asking you to name sources, obviously, but just give me kind of the, the chronology, and then, uh, you know, you know what, what sort of damning evidence is is in there, and will that come up in the court case? Um, the black book should. I got the black book. I was. Spelunking in Florida uh, some years ago, and um, I was fortunate enough to get the black book, and that basically provides a roadmap for an investigation if you want to dig into Jeffrey Epstein. And his house manager was trying to sell the black book, and he got set up by an FBI sting, and he had circled people that he had said were privy to Epstein's pedophile network or part of it. And there's a number of very prominent people that are circled in Epstein's black book. It It is said that um, he was a fixture in, in Palm Beach, and, and I'm, I'm sure in certain circles in Manhattan as well, uh, that, you know, he, he had access, he had influence, uh, there was a famous dinner at his Manhattan home, supposedly after uh, his arrest, uh, after he had served time, the, the first time in Palm Beach, at the uh, the country club uh, there. We won't call it a prison. Um, and some Actually, of the, it was a county jail. A county jail, right. But I, I, meant, I refer to it as a, a country club because, I mean, he should have served time in a state prison. Um, however... Actually, he should have served time in a federal prison, but... That's beside the point. Right, right. Or a state prison, I guess. Sure. I, I mean, after the first, you know, the first charges. Uh, but yes. that that dinner, uh, apparently Prince Andrew was there, and that there were a number of people that showed up. I've heard names like Katie Couric and George Stephanopoulos and Woody Allen and others. Um, how do we, 
I mean, it, it, we have to be careful here because there are people that are associated with with him because he was simply, you know, seem, seemingly ubiquitous uh, in in uh, Palm Beach and in, in certain circles in New York, and and people who who really had no idea what was going on. And then there are those who were indeed perpetrators. Uh, are there? Is there any any of those names that kind of appear in the black book? And so, you know, they may be guilty by association. I just I want to be careful here when we start, you know, naming names. Yeah, it's it's difficult. The names that you mentioned uh, don't appear in the black book. Okay. But when those people had dinner with Epstein, it would have been impossible for them not to know that Epstein was a convicted child molester. It would have been impossible for them to know, especially Katie Couric. I mean, she's in the media. Right. And uh, Woody Allen and George Stephanopoulos is in the media. So it would have been really impossible for them not to know that Jeffrey Epstein was a convicted uh, child molester. And the manifest that you also, uh, that was also published uh, by Gawker, uh, did this come from yes. the, the FAA or did it, where did it come from? Uh, it came from a source. Okay. And it's been... And Go ahead, sorry. Yes, go ahead. Uh, it came from a source, and um, I was fortunate enough to get it pretty early on in my investigation. Would would it also, though, mirror the... Uh, because it would also be an official FAA manifest, I'm guessing. Would it would it be one and the same? Um, I believe it is, and it lists the various people that were on the planes. Um, sometimes... It, it lists their first name. Sometimes it lists their initials. So I'm surmising that in those cases, those are probably underage girls. And are these flights uh, anywhere that the, the you know the plane that was later dubbed the Lolita Express? Uh, are these flights to uh, the island only, or are they flights anywhere? They go all over. Epstein was uh, was very peripatetic. Those passenger manifests go all over. Former President Bill Clinton said that he had no knowledge of what was going on and claimed that he was only uh, he only flew on that plane on four occasions. None of them were to this supposed island. Uh, what do the manifests uh, show in terms of former President Bill Clinton? Well, Bill was on a number of those flights, and Bill Clinton isn't known for his veracity. So I don't think that we should take Bill on his word when it comes to this particular situation. It's kind of like he didn't have sex with Monica Lewinsky. Right, right. But, I mean, he says four times. Does the manifest indicate more than four times? Yes. Bill was seemingly a frequent flyer. He had frequent flyer mileage on the Lolita Express. I've heard the, the number 26 bandied about. Is that in the ballpark, the number of times that he flew aboard that plane? That would be in the ballpark, yes. Right. And does it also indicate in the manifest that he had, on a number of occasions, basically ditched his Secret Service detail to get on the plane? Sometimes there's no Secret Service detail, and sometimes there is. Hmm. So 
it could be true that he ditched his Secret Service protection to fly with Epstein. But other times, uh, his Secret Service detail is, is also on Epstein's flight. Right. I've also read reports that the idea for the Clinton Global Initiative was actually struck on board the Lolita Express and that the idea may have even come from Jeffrey Epstein. What can you tell me about that? Do you know anything about that? I don't dispute it, but I haven't read accounts of it. Okay. If we could go back to the the original charges in Palm Beach, what was the year now? Was this 2005 originally? Yes. Yes. Okay. Could you just kind of briefly walk us through the chronology leading to his arrest, beginning with, I guess it was a report from the parents of a 14-year-old girl that came home with like a lunchbox full of money. Well, it was stepmother of a 14-year-old girl, and she eventually got out of her stepdaughter what she was up to with Jeffrey Epstein. And then she went to the police, and, and Epstein is a very wealthy financier with a lot of clout, a lot of respect. But they took it seriously, but they definitely wanted corroboration from the kid. The kid described Epstein's home, the interior of his home, and also parts of his anatomy. So... At that point, the police started digging into it, and, and they put a, a, a number of months into this uh, investigation. They were, they were, it was an investigation that they were going gingerly, but they were dedicated. And they ultimately found five girls, underage girls, that would talk to them. And there were, in the um, in the search warrant, there are statements of seventeen people. So. Five of them were underage girls, and then the rest were people that could corroborate the underage girls. So when this case was presented to the the Palm Beach DA's office, what happened? Well, what happened is the state of Florida took over. Epstein should have been indicted on five counts of child molestation because there were five girls that initially came forward. So the Palm Beach Police Department, which really did a stellar job, I mean, there was a tremendous amount of pressure on the Palm Beach Police Department, especially uh, the police chief, Michael Ritter. But uh, he was he was a stand-up guy, and he was followed, he was harassed, but he still hung in there with this investigation. So there are police officers that are really, uh, you know, superlative human beings, and uh, I think he's probably one of them. So they amassed all this information, and they just felt like Palm Beach should have indicted Epstein right there with five counts. But the state of Florida decided to call a grand jury, which is very abnormal, because in Florida, grand juries are generally for capital cases. And the grand jury... Okay, so in the Franklin scandal, there was a grand jury, and... I've got the seal grand jury testimony um, and a number of the seal grand jury exhibits, too. And in that case, it was very, very, that grand jury was very cooked. I don't know if your audience is familiar with the grand jury in the United States, but if you want to cover something up, a grand jury is the perfect place to do it because a grand jury is, it's not adversarial, it's closed to the public, it's secret. And one special prosecutor presents the evidence to the grand jurors who are just regular uh, citizens that have been summoned for jury duty and they've been funneled to a grand jury. So a special prosecutor 
only shows the evidence that he feels is germane. And if, if a special prosecutor wants to use a grand jury to cover something up, he can definitely do that. There's a famous quote from a New York judge that said, uh, a special prosecutor of a grand jury has so much power over grand jurors that he could get them to indict a ham sandwich. Yes, I've heard that. So, Nick, i got to jump in here. We're going to take a time out. We'll come back and uh, continue to delve into uh, the initial case against Jeffrey Epstein. Nick Bryant, the author of The Franklin Scandal, my guest right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. We are back with Nick Bryant, the author of The Franklin Scandal. We continue to delve into the Jeffrey Epstein case. We were talking about the uh, the grand jury uh, which was struck in uh, in Florida after the uh, an initial charges were brought against Epstein. First of all, the idea that he was charged a single charge uh, for soliciting a prostitute under the, uh, an underage prostitute uh, is just no, no. It wasn't. Uh, he was not charged. The grand jury did not find that. The grand jury uh, indicted him on one count of adult pandering. That was it. Ah. Um, and in the Franklin scandal, you have a similar thing, but it's even more ominous because all the perps uh, walked were not convicted of anything. And the uh, the victims who refused to recant their abuse, they were indicted. So that's how screwy grand juries can be. Right. But yes, the Epstein uh, grand jury was very screwy because it just indicted. There were five girls, underage girls, that had been molested by Epstein that the police could uh, produce. But uh, they, that particular grand jury just indicted Epstein on one count of adult pandering. And at what point... It's period of five years since. Right, right. And um, at what point... And then he, 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 was, he had this sweetheart deal where... Well, we'll get into that in a minute. But um, at what point did the, the police at Palm Beach, I believe you said it was um, Ritter... Did he go to yeah. the feds in Washington and say, hey, there's something strange going on down here? Yeah, he uh, he got very upset. And the, uh, the special prosecutor's name was Kirshner. He felt like Kirshner had done a very incompetent job, if not an outright uh, um, cover-up. And he was quite vocal about the... Uh, about the, the machinations of that grand jury and Epstein being indicted on one count of adult pandering because he knew that there were there were five girls that they'd interviewed, but he he knew there were other girls. So that grand jury was basically a ham sandwich. And so he he went to the federal prosecutors and they got involved. And I guess the head uh, of the, the office at that point was the uh, recently resigned uh, labor secretary Alexander Ocosta. So they yes. they moved in, and what happened then after they took over the case? Well, that became that became Kafkaesque too. the The feds had a list of like thirty six Epstein victims, but okay. Now, according to Vicki Ward's reporting, which has been uh, quite phenomenal, she's added a. Uh, a dimension to this that hadn't previously been added, although I was aware of it. Um, according to Acosta, he was told that Epstein was intelligence and that 
for him to know any more was above his pay grade. That is the reason why Acosta gave him such a sweetheart deal. Ah. Which turned out, which turned out to be 13 months in the county jail, and he only had to spend nights there, and they turned it into a sweet, and, um, yeah. Right. That was, uh, now, now, further to that, that claim that he was an intelligence asset, which, which is, what is interesting, uh, is that any deal that would have been instruct by Acosta, I'm sure, he couldn't have made on his own. That would have had to gone, that would have had to go straight up through the, um, the Department of Justice, I'm guessing, and the Attorney General. Uh, at that time, it would have been George W. Bush's Attorney General. I think it was Gonzalez at the time. Is is that a fair assumption that that deal would have been had to have been approved by the Attorney General, and if not, the President? Um, I would I would say that that's a fair assessment because if you're going to let a child molester walk, I mean. A U.S. attorney isn't going to eat that. Um, Acosta ultimately ended up eating it, but um, but as I said before, Acosta was told that Epstein was intelligence, according to uh, Acosta and Vicki Ward. So uh, it's obvious that there were some people above the U.S. attorney that were telling Acosta to back down, and that would have been the attorney general and possibly the president of the United States of America. So, as an intelligence asset, this this horrible, uh, evil um, operation would be to what bring in uh, opposition uh, politicians, uh, world leaders, etc. Obviously, place them in, in the most uncompromising position imaginable, humanly imaginable, uh, and then use that as leverage for whatever political reason. Is that the idea? Yes, and what's really interesting about that is in the Franklin scandal, we saw the exact same thing. There were hidden cameras in a Washington, D.C., a very nice Washington, D.C. house, where the pedophile parties would occur. So, and Epstein, it's been shown now, and, and, and actually when the Palm Beach Police Department first raided his house, um, they found two hidden cameras, although I think Epstein was aware of the raid and he pretty much cleaned he pretty much clean things out, but he still had two hidden cameras. And we're seeing that there were hidden cameras in other places, too, not just at his place on Palm Beach. So, yes, it was definitely a blackmail operation. Is that how he made his money? Because some are, are questioning that he was a hedge fund guy at all, that, that, it, that his source of income was through blackmail. Yes, I think that a lot of his money could have been made through blackmail, but here's the thing with that. Okay, so Epstein is blackmailing very powerful people, and powerful people have access to thugs and assassins. So in a situation like that, these powerful people have to know that there's an organization that's behind Epstein, or else Epstein doesn't last very long. And we all, and we saw that with the Franklin scandal too. Um, the the pimp in Washington D.C. He was being protected by Secret Service agents, and um, Epstein wasn't protected by Secret Service agents. But I think that the people that who he was the catalyst for compromising were aware that there was a very powerful entity behind Jeffrey Epstein. And that powerful entity still exists. 
what's going to happen if the people behind Epstein, are they going to continue to protect him or are they going to let him, basically, are they going to leave him hanging in the wind? Well, it looks like he's hanging in the wind. I mean, he's been arrested without bail. I think he, according to reports of uh, the bail hearing, he was a little disoriented. I think that Epstein has been sacrificed. But if that grand jury, that federal grand jury in New York City was really doing what it was supposed to do, there would have been other people indicted other than Jeffrey Epstein. There would have been other perps indicted, and it did not indict other perps. So I think that that is a, uh, that's a major problem. It shows that there's a cover-up in effect with, uh, with Jeffrey Epstein right now. If he names names or names come out, I mean, how explosive do you think this is going to get? I mean, this could this, for example, bring down the British royal family because of uh, an association with, or a friendship, really, between Prince Andrew. I've also heard Prince Charles' name bandied about uh, in connection with Epstein. How 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 damning is this going to be? If, if Epstein talked. Uh, it would go all the way up to Mount Olympus, that's for sure. Is it going to change everything? Well, it would be a game changer, but our uh, Attorney General, William Barr, he's very corrupt, so it's really difficult to know if this is going to go any further other than Epstein. I remember the Jimmy uh, Savile, well, most of us remember the Jimmy Savile case, what a horrendous monster this person was. Uh, but also protected by the BBC, also also an intimate, uh, you know, with uh, the royal family. Do you see similarities between the Jimmy Savile case and the Epstein case? Yeah, big time. Um, it was, sir. I mean, Jimmy Savile was part of a network that was run by Sir Peter Heyman, who was also a pedophile, and that. Peter Heyman was the number three man at MI6, I believe. And they had, it was called the Pedophile Information Exchange. And they even had Ted Heath was part of that. So Ted Heath, the British Prime Minister, was molesting little boys at that time. And I think that there was also blackmail, and Margaret Thatcher covered that up big time. So... That was um, really unfortunate. But, yeah, that was very similar to Epstein and very similar to the Franklin scandal. And we've seen networks like that in uh, Belgium. We've seen networks like that in Portugal. We've seen networks like that in Argentina. And actually a network like that was recently uncovered in Italy. So these uh, power broker pedophile networks are not, rare i mean they they're happening they're they're ubiquitous all right let's take another time out we'll come back you mentioned belgium we'll talk a little bit about the dutro case uh, as well uh, my guest is nick bryant author of the franklin scandal as we discuss the epstein child sex trafficking case right here on the conspiracy show stay with us the truth will set you free but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. We're back with Nick Bryan, author of The Franklin Scandal. Uh, before we proceed, Nick, how do folks get a copy of The Franklin Scandal? They can order one at uh, franklinscandal.com, or they can, uh, if they're 
if they like to in- interact with the evil, the evil empire, they can order one from Amazon. <laughs> the evil empire, yes. Uh, is there renewed interest in the book now because of the Epstein case? Uh, yes. Um, I, but I think it's more because I was out there in front of the Epstein case pretty much before anybody. And now people are circling back and talking to me. Uh, people that had originally let me, uh, wrote me off as a conspiracy theorist are crazy. Um, now they're circling back to talk to me. But I'd already investigated the Franklin Network. And as soon as I started investigating the Epstein Network, I realized pretty quickly that it was, that it was the same thing, that it was deja vu all over again. And it all goes to the top. Yes. The uh, the Dutro case uh, you mentioned in um, in Belgium uh, back in the I guess the mid to late nineties, and I remember as he was being uh, hauled off in handcuffs, he basically shouted, you know, sort of exactly that. This goes to the top, and so forth. You'll you know, it's too big. You'll never, you'll never. You know, you'll never be able to unravel this one or something to that extent. Are all of these related, these cases? Are the Jimmy Savile, Dutro, the Franklin case? I mean, is it, is it, are they the same people would we find sort of behind it operating all of these rings? Well, in, with, with Franklin, you definitely had intelligence and with, the network in the UK that was Sir Peter Heyman, who's number three guy at MI6, so that was definitely intelligence. Now it's coming out that uh, Epstein was intelligence, or affiliated with intelligence, and the Dutroux case, what's really interesting about the Dutroux case is that a number of uh, Belgian police officers and and people affiliated with law enforcement came out and said that this is a cover-up. And the Belgians hit the streets in the tens of thousands. I mean, that, that was, there was quite a, uh, a protestation. And we're not seeing that in the UK, and we're not seeing that in the United States. Um, it, that's a little troubling to me. It was, it was very heartening to see that Belgians, you know, hitting the streets in the thousands. And I would really like to see that happened in the United States, and I'd really like to see that happen in the UK, given that these scandals have been uncovered, and it's really time. Like, in the United States, there's most states have a statute of limitations on sexual abuse. New York does not, but every other state does, I believe. Um, and we ultimately have to abolish the statute of limitations. And hold people accountable. If, if the statute of limitations gets abolished, first of all, perps that, uh, have operated with impunity for years, um, can, uh, can be, can be pursued with, uh, civil litigation and, and criminal litigation for that matter. Um, so that's where our society is really floundering is that there should not be a statute of limitations on sexual abuse. We've just got about two minutes here before the break. This is a short segment. Uh, we'll, so we'll start this conversation now and pick up on the other end of the, the, of the break. But uh, talk to me about, you know, the, 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 the huge number of children that go missing every year. Uh, 
uh, I mean, is there any way of knowing how many of these children, in fact, are being abducted uh, and caught up in this evil child sex trafficking ring? Not really. Um, they're in the United States, according to the uh, missing persons, uh, there are like 300 stranger abductions in the United States. Um, but there seems to be a lot of kids involved in networks, which, which is kind of interesting. The FBI can tell you how many cars are stolen. But they can't tell you how many kids go missing, uh, which is kind of a strange thing. Right. They don't collect data. You'd have to go state by state. So it's uh, the the Center for Missing Exploited Children. Um, hopefully they can be a little more enlightened and edified about networks like this. I've talked to the uh, that organization before, and they seem to be a little obtuse about uh, networks like Epstein or Franklin. Interesting. Okay, I've got to jump in. We'll take another quick timeout. We'll come back and finish up with Nick Bryan, author of The Franklin Scandal, as we continue to discuss the Jeffrey Epstein case right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serra. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up after the top of the hour, Chris Newby, the author of a brand new book on Lyme disease called Bitten. And uh, she may have been responsible uh, for inspiring a U.S. House investigation into whether or not the Pentagon uh, created Lyme disease as part of a biological weapons uh, program. Uh, That's coming up in mere minutes. Right now, Franklin, uh, we're talking about uh, the... Uh, Epstein case uh, with the author of the Franklin scandal, Nick Bryant, who's been all over the Epstein case as well. Um, the uh, the Madeline McCann uh, disappearance. Uh, is it your opinion that that this young girl was also snatched by a pedophile, pedophile ring? I don't know. I have not. I have not investigated uh, her disappearance. So. Is this um, is this case um, likely to drag on for some time in your estimation, or or who's ever behind this? I'm guessing they would they would want to see it mopped up very quickly. They don't want it to see they don't want to see it spread and you know other people named and so forth. They just would like to see Epstein tried, convicted, and jailed and disappeared. Basically, what are your thoughts? Yes, it's kind of interesting that he's been arrested in the first place. I think those series of articles from the Miami Herald linking Acosta and Epstein and the sweetheart deal, I think that that compelled the Department of Justice to act. Um, but with Epstein, we just don't know what's going to happen. Um, I would like to see other powerful perps indicted, but uh, it's... It's equally plausible that Epstein kills himself or someone kills Epstein and um, makes it look like Epstein killed himself. So uh, all those possibilities are plausible. And so or it's plausible that Epstein keeps his mouth shut and goes to prison for the rest of his life. I mean, all those all those variables are in play here. 
you don't see him you don't see him exchanging names for a lighter sentence. Um, I think Jeffrey Epstein was probably edified about his situation when he was in Europe, or maybe even before he went to Europe, like Lawrence King was, I believe. Uh, he was just scooped off the street and brought to Springfield uh, and Missouri at the, uh, there's a psychiatric, federal psychiatric hospital prison there. And, uh, and I think he was told that, you know, Larry, you've done some good work for us, and if you keep your mouth shut, we'll you'll do some time, and we'll take care of you. That's what happened. Um, the same deal might go with it for Epstein. I mean, we just don't know at this point. And um, now with the uh, you know the renewed interest in the Franklin uh, scandal because of your book, because of the Epstein case, do you think that, that aspects of that are going to be reopened? I would very much like to see that. And uh, it's long overdue that the media uh, help these kids. And there was a lot of kids that got molested in the Franklin scandal. And law enforcement has basically said that no children were molested in the Franklin scandal, when actually scores were. That network was active for about eight years or so, flying kids around uh, everywhere. So, um, so yes, I think that there will be some renewed interest in the Franklin scandal. And, and I, I hope that there's a broader understanding of this so that states and actually the federal government can start retracting the statute of limitations on child sexual abuse. Right. It's long overdue that, that we get rid of the statute of limitations on child sexual abuse. Amidst all of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the leaks from the DNC uh, during uh, the WikiLeaks uh, scandal, and, you know, we started to learn about this Pizzagate thing. Uh, which again, the mainstream media said was, you know, a conspiracy theory and it was totally false. I mean, and, and, you know, that particular, uh, case may well have been, but the narrative was right. Um, but, but or now do you think there may be more to that story than, than we know? That, that maybe there was something to Pizzagate? Um, I'm agnostic on Pizzagate. I investigated a little bit. I thought I had a lead. Um, the lead kind of disintegrated. So at this point, I'm agnostic on Pizzagate. I try to be agnostic on most things and um, and keep my mind open. That's why I ended up pursuing the Franklin scandal and also Epstein when people were just writing off as a conspiracy theory. Right, but again, the idea that okay, so this particular rest- restaurant may not have been involved, uh, but then, the, in other words, the, this, this particular story wasn't factually accurate, but the narrative, the overall narrative, is true. Is that fair to say? Well, we've se- well we've seen power broker pedophile networks with Franklin, with Epstein, with uh, Sir Peter Hammond, Jimmy Seville. Um, we've seen them in. Belgium, as I said, and Portugal, and a recent one in Italy. Um, they're all over. So, yeah, I mean, if you're saying that Pizzagate was just kind of delineating a power broker pedophile network, I would say that um, there are power broker pedophile networks. 
Absolutely, but I just I'm still agnostic about Pizzagate. I I, I investigated a little bit, and uh, I just couldn't I couldn't find any leads to corroborate it. This is a difficult question. I, I don't know if this, you know this is something that you care to even address, but we often hear in relation to these child sex trafficking rings, there is an element of satanic ritual. Have you come across any evidence of that, uh, either in this, the Franklin scandal or in the uh, the Epstein case? Um, it's uh, uh, three of the victims in the Franklin scandal said that there was ritual abuse involved. Um, I haven't. I've looked for it in the Epstein case, and I haven't been able to find it. So um, that's kind of where we stand at this point. And but that, I was looking for it. Right. And and the, the satanic element in the Franklin scandal, uh, the ritual abuse, I mean, was there, was there mind control in, uh, uh, in, involved here? One kid in the Franklin scandal claimed to be uh, a victim of mind control, and he was multiple personality disorder. Um, a lot of the information that he told me was correct. So, uh, and... And in the Franklin scandal, I talk about the extreme abuse survey, which was a questionnaire that was filled out by scores of extreme abuse survivors, and a number of them said that they had been victims of government mind control. Um, certainly, and even after, government mind control programs supposedly ended in 1972, and a number of the people that uh, took part in the extreme abuse survey uh, their mind control was definitely after 1972. So that would be kind of interesting. I think that we need a uh, congressional investigation into whether or not uh, mind control is still being perpetrated on, on, on children in the United States. I, I, I do believe that a congressional investigation would, uh, uh, an uncompromised congressional investigation could give us the air and a, that would be great. So this Epstein case, as horrible as it is, may in fact just be the tip of the iceberg. Fair? Is that a fair statement? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of icebergs, and uh, Epstein would be the tip of one iceberg. Nick, again, how do we get a copy of the Franklin scandal? Uh, you can go to the website franklinscandal.com, or as I said earlier, you can. Um, Get one through Amazon, the Evil Empire. Nick, thank you so much for this. I appreciate it. No problem, Richard. Thanks for having me on your show. My pleasure. Nick Bryant. All right, Bye. Chris Newby is next, talking Lyme disease as a biological weapon. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. Back with more in a minute.